In 2001, two students at Wesleyan College in Connecticut started messing around with stock loops on their laptops, making dance songs as a joke. They'd write ironic songs about being superstars and living the rock star lifestyle while drunk in their dorm room at 3am. Then they'd put on fur coats and go and perform the songs in their friends' living rooms. They called themselves The Management as a jab to the music industry which they resented. They released a few EPs full of the most sardonic and sarcastic songs they could muster. As far as they were concerned, it was all a very elaborate joke. Columbia Records didn't seem to realise it was a joke. They sent an email out to the pair offering a record deal a couple years later, not aware that the duo had moved to separate cities and were doing odd jobs like construction to make ends meet. They accepted the record deal. They would say in later interviews about the decision, we didn't want to be ironic this time, we wanted to actually put some effort into the songwriting. And so the duo began crafting their debut album, weaving in the ironic songs of their university years with more sincere and psychedelic songs they genuinely loved making. And in the spirit of giving their music a sincere effort, they shortened their ironic name down to just four letters, MGMT. On October 2nd, 2007, MGMT released Oracular Spectacular to rave reviews. It went platinum in the UK and Australia, and topped critics' lists around the world for Album of the Year. But Andrew Van Wingarden and Ben Goldwasser of MGMT weren't the only people with access to a laptop and music-making software. As it turns out, 17-year-old Soldier Boy released his debut studio album, SoldierBoyTellEm.com, on the very same day. He'd go on to sell over 1.3 million copies of the album, and garner negative reviews from critics around the world. Which of these albums is a joke that's just been taken a little too far? We're gonna find out. Welcome to When Albums Collide. Welcome to the When Albums Collide podcast, Judd Boaz with you, joined by Pedro Duran. Pedro, what's cracking? Nothing much, Judd. How are you? I've, uh, yeah, I actually saw you in the flesh the other day. Listeners of the show know that we're in Melbourne. We've been in quarantine, isolation. We can't leave our houses. I just basically snuck out of the house and went to yours and we hung out, had a couple of drinks and chilled out. Yeah, very um, socially distanced. Man, you didn't tell me you were brown. I had no idea. No, yes. Been like this for quite some time, so nothing I can do about it now. Uh, my man, uh, today we, we took things back to 2007 with these two albums, and I'll tell you what, these two albums are so endemic, it put me right back in 2007. Like, you listen to these songs on both these albums and you're like, oh boy, this is a an era that is long since past. Pedro... What can you tell me about Soldier Boy Tellem, and what can you tell me about MGMT? Oh yeah, well, um, with Soldier Boy, man, in in the two thousands, he was like one of the biggest stars. I mean, I remember, which is fucking crazy to say, by the way. Yeah, that is it is super nuts to think. Yeah, um, listening to his album in particular, um, yeah, that song "Crank That Soldier Boy" was massive. It was just a super big hit. Yeah, it's it's impressive because he was able to utilize the internet before people utilize the internet to promote themselves, whether it be music, whether it be, you know, their fashion line. I mean, nowadays, you know, everyone and their mom has a YouTube channel and has some kind of brand that they put out there, whether it be, through, you know, through Snapchat, TikTok and stuff like that. Um, he was kind of the first 
guy that really um, utilized it to blow himself up. And he actually got a major record deal off of that. And then MGMT, uh, I mean, I've heard their songs a bunch, particularly Electric Feel. And I really like that song. Um, I just never knew, you know, what album it came off of. And it was a real treat to um, uh, listen to this album this week because I realized it was actually a lot of songs that I've heard of before that were um, that make up the bulk of the album. The shocking thing about both of these albums is that the album we're reviewing by Soldier Boy, SoldierBoyTellEm.com, which, by the way, is an awful fucking title for <laughs> the great marketing, it was much more successful than the MGMT album. Soldier Boy mm. Tell em sold well over a million copies just in the US, whereas Oracular Spectacular barely scraped a million copies worldwide. And you'd think, for an album that is that impactful, I thought it was much more successful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because, um, as I was saying before, I've heard a lot of the songs off this album, and it, it lends itself to... You would think it was just a lot more successful, because as we go through listening to that Soldier Boy album, boy, oh boy, it is... It's pretty hard to get through if you're listening to it in one sitting. I guess I, I, the thing is, Soldier Boy just was able to capitalize on this new wave of the internet. Um, he was kind of the f- first rapper to go viral before viral was actually a thing. Whereas MGMT, I think they probably took more of a traditional route to their success. Even looking up uh, in the research. I read that they weren't even trying to be a band like that. They were just two dudes that just liked music and writing songs. And then it just eventually started, uh, you know, coming together for them. You know, if you think about it, you think of any um, teen show, any teen movie from like 2007 on to about 2012. What is soundtracking that teen show? It's MGMT. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll, we'll probably get into it. There's um, a song on the album that I am always going to associate with uh, the 2017 movie Spider-Man Homecoming because it was <laughs> featured heavily in the trailer. So to become an Avenger, are there like trials or an interview? Just don't do anything I would do. And definitely don't do anything I wouldn't do. It was a perfect use for it because of what that movie was trying to do, was trying to bring Spider-Man back to, you know, his teenage years. And they play the song and I heard it and I was like, yeah, this is like a teen movie, you know? They just utilize this so well. So they they have that vibe uh, for whatever reason. Did you know that Soldier Boy was featured on Entourage? Really? It was on like the August episode and by September, because it had been on Entourage, it was at number one on the chart. Oh, really? Okay. I've seen, I used to, I used to be a heavy heavy entourage watcher and soldier boy is nothing if not the entourage of music let's get into the albums track by track Opening up MGMT's Oracular Spectacular with Time to Pretend. First of all, before we even get into the music, can we take a step back and thank Andrew Van Weingarten and Ben Goldwasser for making a 40-minute album? I was so happy to see that duration, especially because I just listened to Soldier Boy's album. I couldn't Mm. believe how blessed we were to be listening to, I think, the first 40-minute album on the the podcast. I was psyched because I knew, oh, 
10 tracks? Yeah, I can do that. I can handle that. And also, the song's really good. Time to pretend. What'd you think? I thought this was a great opening. I just didn't know what album it was on or and, and things like that. So when this came on, I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard this a bunch of times. And it's a great way of opening up the album, especially because they have that... That sound. You know, it's like... It's like... It's a classic. It's just so... You just know it's this song. Like I was saying before, I associate this song very much with Spider-Man Homecoming. This is like, it's like the sound of like adolescence, puberty, youth, teenage. Yeah. I I think it's just, is it, is it like a chicken or the egg thing? Is it because this has been used in so many, like I know Skins used it and, and things, shows like that. Is it because it's been used so much to present that or the song itself just lends itself to genres like that i mean i i think a little bit of both um i i mean if, if you go through the lyrics i mean the lyrical content is talking about you know it's time to pretend about growing up and like these guys in the song they said they you know they want to get these models and kind of do some drugs and and have fun and all these things so i think it's um a little bit of this fear of growing up and missing out on your youth so i think that has something to do with it but yeah the the fact that it's been licensed to so many shows or movies that are you know teen dramas or in that vein that people are going to associate this song with that point in uh, in people's lives about writing the song they say quote we wrote time to pretend to our senior year of college and the music was inspired by a praying mantis we had in our house she laid eggs and it died, and we laid the egg case on this kind of model pirate ship on the mantelpiece, and the eggs hatched and all these baby praying mantises were climbing up the rigging of the ship, and it was pretty crazy. And the lyrics are just about us imagining being rock stars. Um, so a ridiculous song, because this song is very tongue-in-cheek in, in the way it's talking about the rock star lifestyle, making fun of overindulgent pop lifestyle. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. they didn't want to be rock stars at all. They would do weird things at university, like they would go on stage dressed as snowmen and play Ghostbusters themes for 45 minutes at a time. They did not enjoy the pretension of being rock stars. So this is like a song making fun of it, but it just so happens it's a really successful song, to the point where the irony wasn't lost on them, because they said, when we wrote Time to Pretend, we were totally taking the piss out of the rock star thing, and all of a sudden that song was like a single, and we had to play it every day for two years on giant festival stages. So they understand how ironic it is that this thing that they were sort of poking fun at, they become slowly. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super crazy how it all turned out. But that's the thing. Right, we're contrasting these two these two groups, and there's a lot of similarities between them, surprisingly. But you have MGMT, who never wanted to be famous. They always were just doing it because they thought the music was fun, and they were just fucking around. Versus, I think, DeAndre Cortez Way, aka Soldier Boy Tellem, always wanted to be famous. His goal was the fame. His goal was to make money and get the fame. And I think he did that with the next song. With the the the, the first song on his album is an intro and just listening to the intro got me a little bit hyped because i knew what was coming you listen to it and you know what's what sound is about to come out of your speakers the following song is crank that look i'm just gonna say it crank that is a good song like i you know what you know what crank that represents to me crank that represents the american dream to me because this kid deandre way at this point when this album comes out is 17 years old and he's just a kid out of chicago illinois 
who downloaded a demo version of Fruity Loop Studio and used some stock sounds to create a song that sold over a million copies. This is what Ben Franklin wanted when he made that Declaration of Independence. He dreamed of, of something like this, a rags to riches story. Yeah, it is. It is, it is super interesting. Soldier Boy is... Um very much the 2000s hood version of uh, John D. Rockefeller (laughs) (laughs) in a lot of ways. I mean, he just found this new avenue and uh, really capitalized on it. As you were saying, he he was just 17 years old using Fruity Loops. I mean that the Fruity Loops is very apparent on on this album. Like you can tell it is Fruity Loops because there's some songs where um, I was listening to, and I've experimented with Fruity Loops. I don't know about yourself, but there's some songs where I was listening to, and I was like, I recognize that plugin from FL Studio. Exactly, and um, and this is this is to be sure because he didn't he didn't really jazz up any of the sounds. So if you wanted to recreate Crank That at home on your own PC or Mac, use the following sounds. You're going to need a perk steel drum C5. You're going to need an orchestral hit two, a hip snap, RD crash drum kit, and kick drums two and six off the hit set. Use those, put a little bit of compression on them. You just created Crank That. He didn't do anything else besides put those together. And he's a millionaire because of it. I don't know about you. I'm about to kind of shit on this album but kudos (laughs) to soldier boy for doing your thing man because um he's a legend in that respect look in the words of liam neeson i'm gonna say it like this if if soldier boy had ended the album here two songs in that that'd be the end of it i will not look for soldier boy i will not pursue soldier boy but if he doesn't end the album here, I will look for Soldier Boy, I will find Soldier Boy, and I will talk shit about Soldier Boy for like an hour on this podcast because it, this was fine. I was crank that, it's a good song. Like, I know it's cheap sounding mm. and gimmicky, it's fine. End the album here, I got no problems with you, DeAndre. But he doesn't end the album here. He stretches this one idea out for another 13 tracks or so. This was really painful. The next song, Sidekick. Then I suddenly, it, I realized, oh, he's making everything on the demo version of Fruity Loop Studio. Everything is going to sound exactly the same because there are no instruments, no nothing. He can't afford hundreds of dollars worth of session musicians. It's just going to sound exactly the same for the next hour of my life. Same before. you got, I'll give it up to him. He made chicken salad out of chicken shit, really. He had a free trial demo trial of fruity loops and made a whole album off of it but sidekick man it is oh it's hard i mean let's ignore the fact that the hook is dire and bad let's ignore the mm-hmm. fact that the, he has to stretch out the end of the song just by making making like mouth noises and ad-libbing because he doesn't have enough yeah. lyrics <laughs> the beat itself is so fucking bad and then the next song, Snap and Roll, he literally u- reuses the you from Crank That, which is a recurring theme throughout this album. He just keeps saying you because it's literally the only thing he knows how to do. He has found his wheelhouse and my homie is here to stay. He couldn't even come up with another ad lib. Even DJ Khaled has like four of them that he uses them, you know, like... He has one thing that he says over the top of songs. Snap and Roll, another horrible song. This is really bad. I mean, the beat is obviously made on Fruity Loops because you know that that guitar riff? It's horrendous guitar riff. I remember 
uh, hearing that plugin when I used to, you know, mess around on Fruity Loops back in the day and stuff. Yeah, man, this is an indication of what this album is going to be. It's going to be monotonous, repetitive, very weak lyrics, very gimmicky. Here and there, some kind of attempt to um, start a new dance craze. But yeah, this is this this is a super super bad song. This is um really tough to get through, which is strange because compared to the other album that we're doing, it's nuts to think that they came out the same time period, right? The same day. Yeah, like it's nuts to think that happened because MGMT, it's like their music is so I, I don't know about timeless. I wouldn't say necessarily that, but it's it's just so fluid, you know, and it's so eclectic. To think people are using Fruity Loops to make million-dollar studio albums—it's really crazy. It's wild because like I don't want people to think, oh well, you know, there's this poor kid that is 17 years old and we're trashing him because he had to do it all himself. You know, MGMT, a professional band. MGMT are not a professional band at this point. Every bit of instrumentation on Oracular Spectacular was done by the two guys in MGMT, Ben and Andrew. Soldier Boy, to his credit, does produce, write, performs almost all of the tracks on the album himself. But so do MGMT. Ben Goldwasser is doing the sampling, the synthesizers, the backing vocals. Andrew is doing the bass, rhythm, lead guitar, and lead vocals, and they're sharing writing, keyboard, and percussion duties. A modern album, like Oracular Spectacular, should have 15 to 20 people doing all those things. This is two guys yeah, doing yeah. those things. So they're very much like Soldier Boy in that both of these albums are super DIY. The next song, Weekend Wars, super lush, super psychedelic, uh, the vocals are really piercing in this, but there's just two guys doing this entire song. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, with, with Weekend Wars, I really like this song. This is a song that I've never heard. Like I haven't, I've never heard this album in its entirety. So coming off the opening track, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm ready. Look, I'm in a good mood. And then I go on to this song, and I was like, wow, this. I think this this week we're gonna have a really really good album the laid back guitar it's so atmospheric uh, how would you describe this I, I know you could indie rock but i would say it's teetering into almost psychedelic yeah it's pop psychedelic rock as see, well like, i'm not gonna say that this is breaking new ground because it does sound like a lot of things from the past right but this is like the revival of it because this is before tame impala this is three years before tame impala's first album and they do a similar sort of thing mm-hmm. empire of the sun was sort of around at that time but Bands like this, MGMT, I'm thinking Passion Pit, M83, this sort of neo-psychedelica, it is indie rock, but it's way different, right? And so that's what mm-hmm. I was going to ask you. You On the basis of three singles, I think a lot of people would have bought this album and then been freaked out by the rest of the songs on the album. They'd be like, what is, what is the, where are the hits? You know, why, why doesn't it sound like kids or something? Again, very experimental. I'm not saying they're like Animal Collective. I'm not saying they're like, so you need to do LSD to understand the songs, but they are more psychedelic than you would expect, right? Right, right, definitely. I remember being on a train in like 2011, and MGMT had played a festival in Australia. So there were these like three meathead lads on the train, and they were talking about seeing MGMT. And I remember so clearly, they were like, yeah, they played kids and it was really sick, but then they started playing all this weird trippy shit and it was really gay, so I left. And I'm like, that sums up the average like concert goer seeing MGMT. Because they're there for kids and electric feel and stuff. And once they start playing mm. songs like Weekend Wars and The Youth, they're they just they check out. Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting that you had that experience because going through this whole album, especially the songs like Electric Feel, I, I can see this band being made for outdoor 
music festivals, you know, mm. because of their sound. And I would feel, I mean, you've been to a lot more outdoor music festivals than I have, Judd. Um, I hear they do drugs at these things, I'm, I'm sure. Sometimes, um, sometimes, man. Sometimes, yes. And sometimes people have uh, premarital sex at these uh, venues as well. Also sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes concurrently. Ooh, wow, okay. I just feel with the sound of the album and people are all doped up and just like chilling, dancing, like this album sound would just vibe with that type of crowd and that and, and just um, complement the atmosphere. Do you have anything for The Youth, which is the next song? Again, quite experimental. Yeah, um, like once again, I said it's very atmospheric. I thought if you were to remove the lyrics from the song and just play this, not that they're bad or anything, but if you just took the lyrics from the song or removed the vocals and just listened to the music, it has a real, real trippy feel to it probably um induce a fever dream in a in a person i thought it was i thought it was really excellent as we go on i think the album gets better there's maybe a weak point that's just one or two but um i really i really enjoy this i enjoyed this record again i just want to briefly think you know like we're talking about how it's sort of trippy and psychedelic but in 2007 most indie rock music we're just coming off the garage rock bands like arctic monkeys or bands like the strokes are really popular so this would sound so different and so much more electronic and it's before bands like m83 really really came to the fore in tame impala it's going to sound so different whereas soldier boy sounds like the pinnacle of this is this the pinnacle of like dumb bling crunk rap really um i think at this point great crunk was massive crunk was massive it's weird because he, he's so young, so he he's not talking about being in the club because he's still four years away before getting <laughs> being able to get into a bar. Yeah, but it's that sort of like energy. I want to say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember back on, at this point there was a lot of the OGs, the elder statesmen in hip hop, coming down on Soldier Boy and kind of pointing the finger to him as you know he's the poster boy for everything that's wrong in rap. Ice T was one of the most vocal of of those older. Uh, statesman saying like he is trash he is garbage and things like that come on uh soldier boy what the fuck is that shit is garbage you know what i'm saying and if dude don't like it i'll punch him in his face and he wasn't wrong no he he wasn't he wasn't i always tell people like the 2000s were the nadir of american entertainment um <laughs> and music but also the rise of uh, reality TV shows because they were just all over the place. And it's ironic now that people who were influential in reality TV during that decade are now massive influential people in the world. Like, for instance, you know, the, the Kardashians or you have Joe Rogan or even the U.S. president, Donald Trump, <laughs> who had a reality show in 2000s. So it's, 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 it's a really weird time. But yeah, Soldier Boy took a lot of flack, whether deservingly or undeservedly, as that dude who is basically just making sh shit music and getting very popular for doing it. I mean, I think he deserves some of the flack yeah. because the next song, Bapes. Now, if you don't know, a bathing ape is a Japanese fashion brand founded in Ura Harajuku in 1993. And in this song, Bapes, Soldier Boy is informing us that he got him some bathing apes, presumably on his feet. Mm. He tells us this in the song 81 times. You hear this 81 times, and honestly, by the 70th or 71st time, 
I started having a bit of a psychedelic experience. <laughs> I think what MGMT was trying to do to me, Soldier Boy got me there. For a few moments, all I knew or felt was that Soldier Boy got him some bathing apes. Yeah. I lost track of time and space. I lost myself. Um, I self-actualized. It was fucked, man. Yeah, it's it's really bad. Yeah, you know, I, I'm a type of dude that... I love rap music and I will defend rap music a lot because I feel it gets a bad rap, no pun intended. But if like if my dad walked in on me listening to this song and he's like, Oh, see I told you all rap music was crap, I'd be like, Yeah, I can't I can't deny that. This is absolute shit. You can't defend this. This is just bad. The hook is super repeti- repetitive. I mean, I was listening to it earlier this week and I still is drilled in my mind. I got me some bathing aids. I got me some bathing aids. I got me, and it's over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, boy, man, uh, it's just it's 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 a really bad song. <laughs> I mean, he tries to do the three verse structure, but I don't remember anything in the verses that he talks about. I just remember that piercing and annoying and drilling hook over and over and over again it's also the first appearance of arab who uh, is the only feature really on the album barring an r&b group appearing and his latest project was in may of 2013 when he was arrested for a felony hit and run oh wow look there's a lot of things to say about soldier boy and we will say them i will say this he is not lazy DeAndre Cortez Way is nothing if not industrious, okay? Mm-hmm. Since 2007, since this came out, he has released five studio albums, three compilation albums, 38 music videos, 14 EPs, and an insane 60 mixtapes. Mm. 60. That means in the past 13 years, like clockwork, Soldier Boy has averaged a new project every five weeks. I honestly think... I've gone longer without taking a shit than Soldier Boy has gone without dropping a mixtape. Beautiful, yeah. One thing I you forgot to mention in there as well, but he decided to come out with his own gaming system as well. Yes, he did. Did you yes, see that? Yeah, okay, cool. Which is ridiculous. Props to him to thinking he's going to beat Sony or Nintendo in the gaming wars, but... Uh... So, what it, what it is, is Soldier Boy did this little thing, I guess you would call it a, oh, I don't know, a scam, where he made this gaming console, right? And they were sold for like 150 bucks, 100 bucks, and they were shipped from China. They were like little um, boxes that played Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say to you right now, if you make something that plays someone else's games, there's this thing called copyright, yeah. where people, they get kind of, Nintendo gets kind of upset by that. And so obviously he got sued to fuck and back because he doesn't own the rights for any of those games. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the publishers sent lawyers to his house and sued him to death and he had to cancel it. So the, the gaming system has been ripped off the shelves Mm. and off the website because he was doing something highly highly illegal who would have thought what a bummer just quickly the next song on soldierboytellem.com let me get him and it starts with a public service announcement saying this is a dance not a call to violence because he's talking about a a dance called the shoot Mm -hmm. or the shootout i think this is a public service announcement shootout is a dance and is not intended to incite any violent behavior you. Which is confusing, because right now there's a very popular dance move popularized by Blockboy JB and Fortnite called The Shoot. That is not what Soldier Boy is going for, because they don't do it 
in the video, I don't think. I think this is like a different dance that never mm. caught on. He's going the uh, Village People YMCA or Macarena route of attaching a dance move to all of his songs. Yeah. Because it worked with Crank That. So he's like, well, why don't I just have a dance move for every song and it'll be really popular? Except it doesn't work because especially this song is shit. This is really bad. I mean, yeah, I think I come to realize at this point in the album, every song is kind of a promo for something else, right? So whether it be a sidekick or whether it be his new dance, because every, every and there's a couple of tracks where he's just like, "Hey y'all, I got a new dance for you," and it was like, "Well, I'm, I'm still haven't learned the the dance moves from the 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 previous track." So okay, yeah, whatever. It was where the be uh, crank that or even snap and roll, you know, can be considered an attempt to start a new dance craze. And he goes on and goes on like something like, "We'll go on with like." donk or booty meat and yeah uh this is very much his thing every song is a promo for something that soldier boy is trying to flog at people whether it be a dance or a pair of shoes or it's surprising i wonder if he made a song about his gaming system i'll have to look that up yeah this song is just obnoxious because it's, it's just repeating shoot and i think they have gunshots in the integrated into the track as well so um it's kind of a, a, a moot point for him to have that psa in the beginning if he's gonna have every other elements of gun violence in the song on that happy note let's take a pause for the calls we'll be back with more when albums collide after this everyone, Steve here from Play Your Pods Right. Do you like game shows? Do you like weird 90s nostalgia that only a select few of us will ever understand? Then why not join me and my best mate Simon as every Wednesday we take a deep dive into that weird and wonderful world of the 90s game show. From Cluedo to Gladiators to Crystal Maze, hell, even all the best works of Bruce Forsyth. That's right, Brucey himself. So it's nice to see you to see you nice every Wednesday for Player Pods Right on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts and a whole host of other providers. Take care, everyone. Okay, we're back on the podcast. When albums collide, comparing MGMT's Oracular Spectacular with Soldier Boy Tellem's SoldierBoyTellem.com came out on exactly the same day in 2007. MGMT, thankfully, cleans our ears out with two huge singles, the first of which being Electric Feel. Very slow, nice, funky, sensual song. Did you notice how much of an impact MGMT has had on the hip-hop world, though? Mm. You know, we're talking about a hip-hop artist and MGMT. But sometimes the twain do meet, because I think a lot of people would have heard of MGMT off Kid Cudi's song, Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah. But MGMT, I did a little compilation of their impact on hip-hop, starting, of course, with Kid Cudi's Pursuit of Happiness, very popular song. You also have, have you heard the Chitty Bang remix of Kids? It's called Opposite of Adults. No. It is pretty much a straight ripoff, as is Mac Miller's Live It Up, which mm. is literally just a ripoff of kids. Okay, wow. We go put it down. Uh, we take a shot so can go another round. Don't control yourself. 
You also have Frank Ocean rapping over Electric Feel in Nature Feels. Of against making love underneath the cherry leaves. And Nipsey Hustle in Call from the Bank. Just got a call from my bank to tell me that we hit again and keep doing my thing. The boys on fire, money wires every day. It's a natural no fact. I'm the hottest in the lake. And Lloyd Banks in Look Ma. All of them rapping over MGMT. There's something about them that just appeals to rappers. Jay-Z even wanted MGMT to appear on the Blueprint 3, but they knocked him back. Mm. So MGMT have a huge impact. There's something about their sound that appeals to rappers where they want to rap over that beat. I mean, I can't speak for someone like Jay-Z or anything like that, but I can see the appeal. They just The sound is just awesome. Um Man, it's they're able to take a sound and convey a message. Even going back to uh, a song like "Time to Pretend," is that what teenage angst sounds like, or, or are we just uh, you know um, associating teenage angst with that song because we're kind of um, indoctrinated to it? But they're able to take a collection of sounds and really make something magnificent out of it. I mean, even with Electric Feel, I mean, I was familiar with the song prior, but I didn't know what album this song was on. I'm sure prior to this episode, I've seen the music video. I really like the song, the vibe, the sound. Judd, you know, I don't use recreational stimulants at all, but listening to this, I feel high when I listen to this. I mean, I was saying these guys are able to take an eclectic array of sounds and make some real interesting psychedelic pop i was going through the research and it was interesting that this song was um one of their first well their first song to make into australia's top 50 hits you know it's just a massive massive song i think well pursuit of happiness i did the research is their biggest song worldwide with the help of kate cuddy but would you reckon this is probably their second most recognizable song or kids mm. yeah for sure it's okay so uh, the, the reason kids appeals is because funnily enough it has the, I don't know, something about the, the synth line or the, the keyboards right at the start, it's really simple to the point where it sounds like it's being played on like a toy, like a, like a Hasbro or Fisher-Price toy. That's mm-hmm. what it sounds like to me. And because it's called Kids and it's about being young, it's sort of almost a nostalgic feel to it of this like really simple toy-like sound um, that I, it just appeals to, to people to the point where did you see this, that they were involved in a legal dispute with former president of France, Nicolas Sarkozy. Yeah, I saw that. Where his party, you know, they like had a few conferences or uh, what do you call them? Like campaigns, rallies, stuff like that for his UMP party. And they used the song Kids to, you know, signify the rebirth of France or the, the uprising youth of France. And they offered the band one euro as like a gesture, like, oh, one yeah, euro. This. Wow. One euro. And so, like, MGMT, they're like, look, we're okay with people using our music, but you have to ask. Like, we would have given it to you for free, but but the fact that they used our song without permission while also pushing anti-piracy legislation seemed a little whack to us. So they ended up suing them for, like, 30,000 euros as a result. There you go. A very popular song, and, yeah, I would say it's their biggest hit. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, Yeah, I saw that about the legal dispute with uh, Sarkozy. I didn't know it was one euro because all I... What a slap in the face. Yeah, because all the research I was going through, it just said over an insulting, quote unquote, compensation. Insulting. Yeah, and I was like, well, what's that? I was like, what does that mean? I just... But one euro. Yeah, I would have told him to go fuck himself too, man. Like, uh, 
That's that's super ridiculous. Man, I'll tell you what, you want to talk about insulting. <laughs> Look no further than Donk. So this song, Donk, is referring to a, a, a woman's buttocks, I guess. Yes. Um, every hook on this... <laughs> like you say, a woman's buttocks, yes. I said it like Forrest Gump. Yeah. Yes, sir. Bit me directly in the buttocks. Every fucking song on this goddamn album... The hooks are just one line repeated over and over. So the hook for this song, Donk, is she got a donk. She got a donk. Yeah. She got a donk. She got a donk. Holy shit. It is the most inane thing I've ever heard. The hand claps at the start, I'm pretty sure I ripped off a G-Unit song. I want to say, like, the game, how we do. Exactly the same, just cheaper sounding, because they couldn't afford a proper engineer. Oh, and Arabs here. So there's that. This is an awful song. Can we move on to the next one? Oh, yeah. let's. Uh, we, can, we can definitely do that. I mean, the only thing I would say was just, like, I remember this being played on the radio. I mean, I think there was a point where, like, Back Your Ass songs were popular. This was his attempt at it. And it is it is terrible. It's it's really bad. Like I, I thought WAP was obscene, and it, I guess it's obscene in a way. But this is this is just um, mindless. So um, yeah, we can carry on to the next song. Yeah, the next song. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm just gonna read some of the reviews from it, which I thought were hilarious because I can't do it justice. Alex Fletcher of Digital Spy gave the song one star out of five and wrote, Based around Soldier Boy and pal Arab screaming incomprehensible gibberish, the repeated line, Ya trick, ya is more irritating than a life supply of itching powder, while the bargain bucket synth soundtrack sounds like an old Nokia ringtone. And Jeff Weiss of LA Weekly wrote that it has a legitimate attempt to dethrone my humps for its ignominious distinction as the dumbest song ever recorded. Mm. It is a really bad song too. Yeah, trick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, but you know what's funny? I don't know if this made it over here, but this was kind of a big song regionally in Florida. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was. Oh, I really? think it was, like, this was, I would say this is the second hit of the album. Okay, yeah. Because I remember to the point that I would see, I, I want to say, just idiots, like, they would incorporate this into their lives. You know, when you're in, in elementary or high school and somebody will, will do that old thing of, you know, uh, stupid people say what? And then you say what? And then they're like, oh, I got you. Right? You know, that kind of prank. I remember some people doing this. They would like mumble and you're like, excuse me? And then they would just go, yeah, trick, yeah. And you're like, what just <laughs> happened here? I just don't know. Honestly, that does sound funny. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so if you knew the song, you were in on the joke. But I remember plenty of um, high school teachers being distraught because they're like, what the fuck is going on right now? Like they just. Yeah, and all these kids screaming, yeah, trick, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm face face value excuse me this is not a great song at all but i have some nostalgic for it because i just remember it being used to uh frustrate a lot of uh, high school teachers um and then the next song is pass it to the arab skippable i don't want to talk about yeah, it I, I had no notes for that i was just yeah this is terrible mgmt they take their album to a sort of different dimension with their next song mm. fourth dimension transition uh, and it's funny, it's called Fourth Dimension Transition because this is the time when the album sort of moves into even even more psychedelic sort of area. Right. This song and the songs coming up sound a lot like the stuff on their next album, Congratulations, which was an album where they decided, oh, fuck all the hits, let's just do a psychedelic album, which I really like, but it wasn't as successful, obviously, because it didn't have a song like Kids or Electric Feel on it. Mm-hmm. Something about 
Andrew's falsetto lyrics that sound really meek and like sort of like gentle on this song. I just love it, man. There's this rapid tropical beat with the drums here. It's almost like dancehall, this beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really into this song, man. Yeah, well, that's funny. With Fourth Dimensional Transition, this was my least favorite song on the album. And I think maybe it's because of that. Maybe because <laughs> yeah, they went full they went full psychedelic and as you sh- as you know, you should never go full psychedelic. <laughs> um so I, I I mean I it was okay. It wasn't um too jarring. It, it didn't take me out of the album. It's not um a big enough miss for me where um I'm going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It was just a weak point for me in the album. Like and 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 I noticed in this section of the album they do start leaning toward more of that psychedelic abstract sound. So like with the track like uh the next one, Pieces of What, I thought it was a good track. Uh I like it was how it was stripped down. You know how for the most part Van Wingarden it's such a funny name because uh, going through Wingarden, Mr. Wingarden, mm. Van Wingarden singing. He's using his guitar, like strumming along. I thought it was, I, I thought it was really, uh, really cool, and um, it would have been a, a great song to uh, see him perform live. The acoustic guitar on Pieces of Art, really easy. The bass line is nice and smooth. The vocals might be divisive for people. I really like all their vocals. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's really good. But there is a big old smack of like seventies David Bowie in this. Like yeah. the, these boys <laughs> played some Ziggy Stardust on repeat when they were making this album. Even though his vocals are a little bit more Mick Jagger than David Bowie. Yeah. There's a huge 70s influence here. And this is a criticism that is leveled at MGMT. And it's also leveled at bands like Temples and Tame Impala. They're like, if they're just copying something from the 70s, why don't you just listen to the thing in the 70s? And right. I think that's unfair. They're doing like a new twist on it. There's a there's a definite like electronic twist on that 70s music, which is, it's worth listening to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I got that vibe as well. Artists are always going to be influenced by other people and there's going to be times where you hear that influence in their music and just to um, knock them for that or dismiss them and say, Oh, well, why don't I just listen to, you know, your influences? Well, it's a different time. They have access to different instruments, different technology, even different ideas. And I think you're as an audience member or music listener, we're going to be able to appreciate those new innovations compare if you were just to listen to the original uh, material. Soldier Boy comes back, unfortunately, with a song called Soldier Girl, mm. which features I-15, an R&B group that doesn't have a Wikipedia page, and this is pretty much the only thing they ever did. This is a ladies' track, and I was like, you know what? This is okay. Yeah. It's smooth. It's nice. I can get behind it, and then it fucking happens. He puts a fucking you in the middle of his slow jam. Yeah. Fuck off. What the fuck are you yeah. thinking, man? Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, with Soldier Girl, it was a nice break from the monotony of this album, the repetitive lyrics. I mean, prior to this point, as a music listener, you've been bombarded by subpar beats, hyper repetitive hooks that can induce seizures. Um, so this was a nice break from that. This is his girl track. This, he is a soldier boy, so he needs a soldier girl. 
I mean, a soldier. How how old is this guy now? Because he's probably upgraded to soldier man at this point. Uh, he will turn thirty this year. Yeah, hopefully. But yeah, I I thought this it it, it was fine. And then uh, to comment on that that you that he puts on, I just came to the realization that Soldier Boy is kind of like those late night infomercials. Like he's one <laughs> of those guys that he just sells a bunch of stuff on an infomercial, and he just has a brand, and that is kind of his thing. So he's like that you guy. And I was like, oh, I know that guy. That's the guy that sells those, I don't know, towels. Hi, it's Vince with ShamWow. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. So he's just that. It's just all about his his little brand and, and, and all that. So for, for some of these songs, I'm just going to put in clips of the hook because that's all you need to know. Like for Booty Meat. That's the entire song. Yeah. That's the song. Yeah. And, and that's all That's all well and dandy. But then we get to report card. Mm-hmm. This is the worst shit. This is the worst shit on the album. <laughs> report card. Because the, the idea is he's parodying or sort of sampling a very famous song by Rich Boy where he says, throw some D's on that bitch. Now, Soldier Boy's talking about his report card and saying, throw some D's on that. You get it? It's like a joke, like the letter D. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he samples Rich Boy and ruins the sample with some awful, awful editing. One of the worst things I've ever heard. Honestly, after listening to Soldier Boy corrupt this classic hip-hop song, I think the legal system should have some sort of leniency or amnesty available if Rich Boy chooses to murder Soldier Boy. <laughs> like, I think the law should allow for that, because this is a vulgar and grotesque misuse of the medium of music as an art form, and I think capital punishment is the only way Soldier Boy is going to learn his fucking lesson, because this is unforgivable, what he does to this song. Yeah, it is. It's really bad, and I would uh, second on that motion, uh, Senator Boaz, of um, giving amnesty to, to, to Rich Boy. Yeah, it is bad. I mean, I, I assume that he's just, he took the sample because it was a popular song, he's capitalizing on that success that Rich Boy has, but even the fact that it's just a song about a report card kind of tells you who his audience is. You know what I mean? Like it's like twelve-year-old kids that are going to be that want to listen to a, a song about their report card. So yeah, these last songs, songs "Booty Me" and um, and "Report Card." I mean, it's it puts a nail in the coffin as to why this album is really <laughs> bad. It really does. No. And this, I, I honestly, I would say here on record, I think this is the worst album that we've done. Really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've done John Cena. Uh, and, yeah, John it, Cena. John Cena is like a poet laureate compared to Soldier Boy. Yeah, but but really, like that album was not great. But at least he has some kind of. I mean, he has metaphors. He has. He's trying to attempt. At something we've had k fed on the on the show he's really trying to put himself out there he's making up cool nicknames for himself the pancake man he has proper like samples and proper production he has instruments yeah this album is just really really bad it's just 
It's it's just cheaply made. The sound is grating. It's really absolutely terrible. And it's it's weird to have it come out the same day as um, you know, MGMT because that album's really good. And I, I will say their album is probably one of the better ones that we've done on on the show. It just got me thinking about has this um phenomenon ever happened in history in general where like something really good happens and something really bad happens at the same time. And um, I was doing some research and um, I did find some things and Judd, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to share them with everybody. The floor is yours, my friend. Okay. So yeah, I was checking it out. And then did you know in 1971, the year in which the United States drove a lunar buggy on the moon, this super advanced accomplishment in technology and space exploration the country of switzerland had just gave women the right to vote (laughs) 1971 which is crazy 1971 that's insane the year in which mcdonald's was founded and we all love mcdonald's i had mcdonald's last night prisoners began to arrive in auschwitz just a few days later Jesus Christ. You know? So we were talking about um, you know, gaming consoles earlier with Soldier Boy. In 1888 was the year Nintendo was founded. And we all love Nintendo, right? Um, that's the same year Jack the Ripper was on the loose, you know? So these things are happening. Wait, Nint- Nintendo was founded in 1888? Yeah, it started as a trading card company back in the day before oh, it was yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, before it was um um, you know, a video game company. So I've actually been there, it's pretty stellar. The last entry I'll say is um, the year the guillotine was last used in France. Now, think about the guillotine, Judd. <laughs> Chopping someone's head off. This yeah. medieval tool of execution. What do you think the, the last year was being used? Like, just give me a decade. Sometimes in the 1800s, maybe? Mm. Last used the same year Star Wars came out. <laughs> it's <laughs> oh 1977, God. which is crazy. They chopped someone's head off? I would have to, I mean, what else are you using a guillotine for? <laughs> maybe, well, maybe they beheaded the, the final female voter in 1970. Oh, in Switzerland, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, yeah, so that's that little spiel I just wanted to share with everybody because it's absurd to me that this album, Soldier Boy's album, So Terrible, came out the same day as um, an album which I know that I'm personally going to go back and listen to again mm. and again. I'll tell you what I will go back and listen to. Of Moons, Birds, and Monsters. Now, I haven't actually heard this song before, and what I mean by that is I've probably a thousand percent heard this song before. I just didn't know the title of it. This song fucking rocks, man. Yeah. I really, It's the best song on the album for me. Way more rocky and like less electronic than some of the singles, but the drums, just such a driving beat throughout it. The lyrics are great. This is a really great psychedelic song. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I really joy at the tail end of the song where there's no singing. It's just the instruments playing. Right before the distortion is added, that's my favorite part of of the of the track, definitely. So, um, another high point in the album for me. Uh, the handshake, they they continue on the handshake, uh, and they have repetitive hooks too, where he talks about the handshake is under my tongue, which is, mm-hmm. I guess, an LSD reference. But there's something the at least the instrumentation is interesting enough that the repetitive hooks, unlike donk or booty meat. Don't bother me as much. The Handshake is a song about MGMT discussing their feelings about selling out Mm -hmm. because they came out on an indie label, I think Red Ink, Mm -hmm. first, and then they got bought by Columbia. Columbia saw these huge hits and like, oh, we want a piece of this. So Oracular Spectacular gets released by Columbia Records and the song likens their deals to being tempted by like a succubus or something. Mm -hmm. You know, some of their, their lyrics reflect this. 
And so it's about selling out and being worried about the fame and all that stuff, which is very much what has followed them throughout their career and they've always tried to get away from by doing weirder and weirder music and less, less you know, marketable music because they're worried about selling out. Mm. And this is a song on their debut album with all the hits on it that sort of hints at their feelings towards fame. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, yeah. Um, I, I guess they got an idea of what was to come, um, especially with three massive hits on this album yeah it's it's interesting i mean i don't know i know um they're big fans of the show guys mgmt don't feel so bad that you got a record deal man because you're in the you're in the music business so that's what you're there to do just uh enjoy it that's my advice to them and they finish things up with future reflections another great track i got almost a klaxons vibe from it um really eased. this was such an easy and enjoyable listen at 40 minutes didn't overstay its welcome and Future Reflections is just a lovely little button on that on that album. I'm mentally checked out of SoldierBoyTellEm.com. Um, so She Thirsty comes on and it is bad. Mm. It is really bad. And Don't Get Mad, same thing. Did you have anything for those last two tracks before we break it down? No, I mean, it's really much of the same kind of repetitive hooks. She Thirsty. She Thirsty. She Thirsty. Uh, I wonder if... I don't know. I want to give him credit, but I wonder if he was one of the first rappers to use the term thirsty because it's 2007. I think it's kind of more fashionable now. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. I would like to do my research to see where the term thirsty first came up. Don't get mad. I thought that was, well, it's funny because it's ridiculous because the song's t- topic or subject matter, it's him addressing the parents of his fans and telling them, don't get mad because I'm influencing your child because I'm so popular, which is such a ridiculous concept because, yeah, he's popular. But, I mean, you're influencing them to basically just dance. And, and also, Soulja Boy, you're just not that notorious at all to be addressing parents or mainstream America. So um, I was just happy that the album was over with. Let's take it to the breakdown, shall we? We're discussing Oracular Spectacular and SoldierBoyTellEm.com. We can't even say that, you know, one of these albums wasn't successful because they were both successful, both sold over a million copies worldwide. Soldier Boy, I would say, more successful, disgustingly. Yeah. Why Why was that? With Soldier Boy, I think his album, SoldierBoyTellEm.com, was successful because he was able to utilize the internet in a way that now artists nowadays are all doing it. I, yeah, he was a real pioneer then. He came with a whole promo and a brand. It was SoldierBoyTellEm.com is the name of the album. You can go to the website to check out the album, to check out the new song, to check out the song that comes with the new dance and all these things. And guess what? If you like the song and the dance, you know what? Buy the video game before we get sued and and, <laughs> and all these things. So just, just take Crank That out of out of the album like that's a fun song it's catchy it's fun brings a lot of nostalgia to me we were talking about john cena a couple weeks back i was thinking like this could possibly be my wwe entrance music because it's just uh (laughs) very memorable and fun catchy song but yeah i mean the dude sold a million records because he was able to utilize the internet he was he had a bit of a gimmick on him and i think that's um basically what it is yeah for soldier boy he is very endemic of 2007 much more so than mgmt you look at the album cover of soldierboytellem.com he's got like the baggy white shirt on like this this shirt looks like a fucking circus tent he's drowning in it yeah he's got the sideways cap snapback he's got the ice on the 
that he's he's flexing on. He's got these glasses on, these like Oakleys from 2007. Yeah. If Soldier Boy was born 10 years later, he would be releasing this album in 2017. And guess what? He would look like 6ix9ine or Extentacion. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. Would be, he wouldn't be releasing his song on MySpace. He'd be releasing it on SoundCloud and he would have face tattoos and he would just be a different sort of trend. He is 10 years before Extentacion, 6ix9ine, um, you know, Lil Peep, all these guys. He is the progenitor of these people. So in, in a lot of ways, he deserves respect for that. And he had a big mainstream hit. Yeah, definitely. He deserves respect for that as being a pioneer and being an industrious one at that. That being said, he is an awful musician. Mm. Like, obviously, we knew, I knew when I picked this album, it was going to be bad. Even back in episode seven, where we, we sat down with my brother and we listened to, like, Extentacion and 6 9 there were still musical elements to those albums. Right. Which I guess goes how, how far we've come in music and in hip-hop that you can have all these different elements. Soldier Boy has one sound, the entire album, and it's fucking awful. Yeah, definitely. Whereas MGMT, besides the fact that they have big hits, they also had big hits, but they had musicality to back it up, and they had actual good songs besides to to actually back it up. Yeah, well, with uh, MGMT, I think their album was massive because it was popular because, I mean, they have three hit singles. Like I was saying before, I've never listened to this album, but I definitely recognize these songs. I think they're unique in their style, their sound. I don't think, um, I mean, at that point, anyone was sounding like them at all. And um, my biggest takeaway from the album is I was very impressed that they were able to utilize a bunch of different sounds and put them together to make really good music. And sometimes the music can break the pop charts. You know, it's not just necessarily like hard, you know, straight up hardcore indie or hardcore rock. I mean, they have pop elements in, in, in their music as well. So that helps out with uh, with their success. You know what to do, man. You got to choose a song, unfortunately, off both these albums. Man, I'll do MGMT first. I'm going to do Electric Feel. I, I know everyone's heard this song before. Just listening to it again, I, I just think it's a great track, man. Like, I just think it's awesome. And I was I was thinking about what kind of girl would, like the girl that they're speaking about in the song, like would give me that feel. Just shock me like an electric eel. Like, you know, I, I just thought it was um, a, a good visual and uh, uh, something I would like to experience. So Get a bit sentimental on me. <laughs> yeah, the music just, just does that to me, so. Um, and then with uh, Soldier Boy, oh, man, I'm going to say Yaw Trick Yaw, just because it is ridiculous and it's really bad. And fuck, it's just indicative of the album. It's a bad song. It's a bad album. And if you listen to this, to that song and you're like, what the hell is this? Guess what? The rest of the album is just like that as well. So, oh boy. All right, so MGMT, that's easy. Uh, I, I already said it during the show, but Of Moons, Birds and Monsters, my favorite track. Mm-hmm. I love that track. That's that's going to be one I play over and over again because it's just one that, that's escaped me. Um, and I'm a fan of MGMT. Soldier Boy. Holy shit, this is difficult. It, um, it's a toss up. I'm going to say if if you want the best song just to listen to, it's Soldier Girl because it's almost him not on the track. It's someone else singing, which is great. But if you want a track that is endemic of the sort of hot shit that you're going to be listening to for an hour, it's Report Card. Report Card is one of the worst songs I've ever heard. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that lightly, like, because it's it's worse than just a bad song that's original. It's taking a really good song and ruining it. 
Um, and there's something about being blue-balled like that by the hook <laughs> that is truly, truly gruesome. So that's it. That'll do it. Uh, never going to listen to this piece of shit ever again. And one of the worst albums we've ever done, Pedro. Yeah, thank God. I'm never going to listen to that. It's really, really bad. Yeah, don't listen to it. Listen to us instead. We'll see you exactly. next week. Bye. Um, girl, shake that booty, mate. That booty, mate. Shake that booty, mate. That booty, mate.